Let me just eliminate all of the white noise for They're you. They're counting on you not understanding what this is all about. They want to create conflict. They want to create this chaos. They want you to be stupid. This is the Conservative Daily Podcast with Joe Waldman. Yeah, I'm a threat because I'm telling you what the Constitution says. And Max McGuire. The flak is the heaviest when the bomber is right above the target about to open the bomb bay doors. And now the Conservative Daily Podcast is on the air. Welcome back to another edition of the Conservative Daily Podcast. My name is Max McGuire. Happy Wednesday to everyone. Joe, not here. He might be able to call in. Maybe. He has his hearing today in court for the Eric Coomer lawsuit. So that's going on today. Everyone in the comment section, let's give Joe some prayers. Let's give Joe some good vibes, some good juju, some well wishes, because it's a big hearing today. Hopefully the judge gives him a fair shake because based on all the evidence that I've seen, all the evidence that's come out, it's very clear that this does not, this, this lawsuit from Coomer does not seem to rise to the level necessary to get past Colorado's anti-slap motion. So that's the, that's the hearing purpose today. So everyone, again, prayers for Joe and for our organization, because we are technically listed as a defendant um, in it as well. So we've got a lot to talk about today. Because a couple of things did just come down yesterday evening. We have two court rulings now, one from New York, the other one from Texas, of judges ruling that the vaccine mandate, as imposed by Joe Biden, cannot just be applied unilaterally. There has to be a way for people to have a religious exemption. If we go ahead and put up my screen, Mr. Producer, this is the one we mentioned briefly um, yesterday the in New York. A federal judge grants a preliminary injunction against New York's vaccine mandate for healthcare workers. So they can't just force all the healthcare workers out. Remember, New York has no religious exemption. They've proclaimed that there is no right to opt out for religious reasons. Well, that federal judge has slapped them down and said, no, you can't do that. And then again, in Texas, another federal judge has ordered United Airlines to stop forcing workers to get vaccinated and that they have to allow workers to have an exemption either for medical reasons or for a or for religious deeply held religious beliefs and before that there was another case this was in the court of appeals for western michigan university that court of appeals ruled last week 3-0 that western michigan university cannot just block athletes from competing unless they get vaccinated they also have to allow for a religious exemption. So it seems very clear cut all around the country. Every court that is seeing it is concluding, at least on the federal level, that the vaccine mandate, not even looking at the actual constitutionality of it, and we're going to get into that a little bit later, but the vaccine mandate, no matter what, even if it is constitutional, it has to include a religious exemption the ability for people to get a religious exemption. We talked earlier about Healthcare Network, I believe it was in Michigan, um, that had 650 employees apply for a religious exemption, and they were all denied. I mean, that to me is stunning. Because you see from the left, the left claims like, oh, well, no religion says you can't get vaccinated. Well, that's not how religious beliefs work. Even if you belong to a particular faith, you don't agree with every part of that organized religion. I'm Catholic, right? I, I am as Catholic as it gets, <laughs> but I don't agree with everything that the Pope says. I don't think I don't agree with everything that comes out of the Vatican. There are even parts of the catechism I don't necessarily agree with. It's my faith, 
But when it comes when it comes to my individual faith, right? I'm not bound by the catechism. Like if I want to go beyond that, I can. Like if the Catholic Church says, "Hey, it's okay if the vaccines use fetal cells in their development, you can still get vaccinated." I have every right as a believer to say, "You know what? I don't want to do that." Right? Everyone has the right to do that. Well, interestingly enough, we got a new declaration from the Archbishop for the military. Yes, that exists. The Archbishop for Military Services, Timothy Broglio, released a statement yesterday. Catholic troops can refuse the COVID vaccine. No one should be forced to receive a COVID-19 vaccine if it would violate the sanctity of his or her conscience. Now, the question posed to him was if the church says that the vaccine is okay, does that mean that the faithful, the believers, aren't allowed to have a stricter interpretation of what constitutes a pro-life position? And his, his decision very simply was, it does not. So it's going to be very hard. This is excellent news. It's going to be ever, very hard for anyone who is Catholic in the military. It's going to be very hard for any the government to force Catholics in the military just to get vaccinated. They can't now turn around and say, well, you don't have the religious right to be opted out when the archbishop just came down and said, no, they, they do have that conscience right. Now, I wouldn't, I wouldn't count on the Biden administration doing the right thing. But at least right now, this is good news. Other good news that I have to share with you is we are being sponsored. We are being sponsored by the Conservative Daily Store. So you want to make sure you check out that. I, I, I sound like a broken record. We have a ton of t-shirts that are in the works. I don't know what's going on. I think we tried to put too many t-shirts up at once. For whatever reason, it's taking a long time to get them up. But we have Let's Go Brandon that it should be up there any day. I know that Greg is super busy, um, but it really should be up there any day. We have a bunch of different ones. We have the hammer and sickle with the vaccine needle on it and slavery underneath. So you want to make sure you check out the Conser Conservative Daily Store and also check out the rest of our t-shirts, our apparel, our accessories and gear. gear. So you can find that store.conservative-daily.com and go ahead and take that down. So we got these three court cases. We got the Western Michigan University. We got the case in New York and we have the case in Texas. The Biden administration is not happy about this. Not happy one bit. And yesterday, Jen Psaki, we're going to play cut four in a second. Yesterday, Jen Psaki attacked Texas and Florida for, for putting politics above health. That's what she said. Let's go ahead and play this, Mr. Producer. Let's play cut number four. Rather than having the immediate effect. Well, Josh, these requirements are promulgated by federal law. So when the president announced um, his vaccine uh, mandates for businesses that, of course, we're waiting on OSHA regulations for as a next step, um, that was pursuant to federal law and the implementation of federal law because it's an executive order. So our intention is to implement and continue to work to implement these requirements across the country, including in the states where there are attempts to oppose them. I will say, since you gave me the opportunity, um, Governor Abbott's executive order uh, banning mandates. And I would also note announcement by Governor DeSantis this morning, essentially banning the implementation of mandates. Uh, fit a familiar pattern uh, that we've seen of putting politics ahead of public health. 
Over 700,000 American lives have been lost due to COVID-19, including more than 56,000 in Florida and over 68,000 in Texas. And every leader should be focused on supporting efforts to save lives and end the pandemic. So let's let's dive into this a little bit, because Congress did not pass a law. People in the comments section are saying, what law? What law? Congress did not pass a law authorizing a vaccine mandate. The power that Joe Biden is allegedly claiming. Let's let, let's let's see where it originally stems from. It originally stems from if you put up my screen, it originally stems from Article one, uh, Article one, Section eight, Clause three. If we put up my screen, this is known as the Commerce Clause. And the Commerce Clause says quite simply, Congress shall have the power to lay and collect taxes, duty, imports, and excises to pay debts and provide for the common defense and general welfare of the United States. But all duties, imports, uh, excises shall be uniform throughout the United States to borrow money on the credit of the United States and Clause 3 to regulate commerce with foreign nations and among the several states and with the Indian tribes. Now, this is known as the Commerce Clause, sometimes referred to as the Interstate Commerce Clause, that part about the among the several states. And what that does is that gives the federal government the power to regulate commerce, obviously, that occurs across state lines. This is the most bastardized, the most abused part of the Constitution that there is. So much of the federal government's authority is derived from that one clause to regulate commerce among the several states. It is insanity. I mean, we've talked about this on the show before. Gun control laws are based on the Commerce Clause. Even in states like Wyoming that have tried to push through laws that that say, oh, if the gun is manufactured and sold in Wyoming, it doesn't apply, right? Courts have said, no, if you sell something, technically someone could come in from out of state and buy it. The Commerce Clause is used to prop up most of the government's powers, and it, it tends to be at the heart of most of the federal government's overreach. Because you can see here very clearly in Clause 3, nowhere in Clause 3 does it say that the federal government has the power to forcibly inject people with a vaccine or to coerce people to inject something into their body. We can go ahead and take this down. So that's the root of it. ARCA 1, Section 8, Clause 3. From there, it goes to OSHA. OSHA is unconstitutional. It is. It, 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 I don't even, it shouldn't even be debatable. The way Congress wrote OSHA's powers into law, they basically, I don't have it in front of me, they basically gave OSHA the power to do whatever they see fit. They gave them a mission, workplace, health and safety, and they said OSHA can do whatever they see fit. Well, Congress can't just give away that power. If Congress has the power to impose vaccine mandates, which I don't even believe is very clear, but if Congress did have that power, they can't just give it away to OSHA decades ago when it wasn't even being debated by saying OSHA can do whatever it sees fit. Very unconstitutional. And there's lots of legal scholars that agree it is unconstitutional for Congress just to open-endedly give away its power. So OSHA has, has regulations on the book that allow them to regulate new threats, threats that no one saw coming and that just popped up out of nowhere. That is the power within OSHA that Biden is weaponizing to go after companies with over 100 employees. The reason that is on even legal shaky ground, regulatory shaky ground, is the COVID-19 pandemic is now almost two years old. There has been a federal state of emergency for well over a year and a half to come in now and just declare and just declare whole cloth that there's that it's now a new threat and that we need to do use even more powers to try and 
and curtail it, it, it would be laughable if we weren't talking about such a significant violation of people's rights. So even on its face right there, you, you can't just say that, that OSHA has the power because it's not a newly emerging threat. But here's the other bit. OSHA's power to regulate businesses, you, uh, again, deriving that power allegedly from the Interstate Commerce Clause, the Commerce Clause, basically that says, that, hey, if you work at a gun store and you're going to clean the range, you need to wear a respirator. Why? Because there's going to be fine particulates in the air. You're going to have lead particles in the air, and we don't want people breathing it in. And it's bad for people to breathe in. So there. Other OSHA regulations like, oh, you need to make sure you use a ladder. You can't just stack a bunch of boxes on top of each other if you're at a workplace to climb and reach something up high, right? We've all seen OSHA regulations. It's all, what OSHA's always been able to regulate is what you're allowed to do, how you're allowed to do it. OSHA doesn't typically force people to inject something into their body. That doesn't really, it's not really OSHA's purview. Like, oh yeah, you have to wear PPE, you have to wear a respirator, you have to wear gloves in certain environments, right? Fine. But to, for OSHA just to, to, to declare that you have, now everyone, and not everyone, one third of the, of the workforce has to just inject something into their body, that's a significant overreach. And as we've covered on the show before, when you look at the Fourth Amendment, the Fourth Amendment protects your right to be free in your person. Right. Lots of people talk about the part where it says you have to you're securing your papers and effects. Right. That's true. But it also says you have the right to be secure in your person. In your person, your person, papers and effects. I cannot think of anything worse. Right. I, mean, I can't think of anything more violative than your right to be secure in your person than the government coming in and saying you don't have the right to work, to earn a living unless you inject something into your person. It's completely violative. And I was thinking last night, I, I have thoughts late at night. I know, shocker, right? As I lay my head down at night, I, I sometimes, weird thoughts sometimes pop into my head. Usually it's about Democrat hypocrisies. And lately I've been sharing those hypocrisies on my Telegram. So if we go ahead and put up my screen, Mr. Producer, this is a great way. If you haven't already, follow me on Telegram, Max J. McGuire. If you want to see what kind of goes on in this mind, what kind of thought process goes into, I mean, if you follow this, you'll see how we're preparing for the show in the morning and at night. But one of the thoughts that popped in my head last night was that if you look at Democrats, you look at their eviction moratorium, obviously unconstitutional. Joe Biden admitted it was unconstitutional. The logic behind the eviction moratorium was that you can't just kick people out of their homes. They're going to go into homeless shelters. They're going to be on the streets. That's going to increase their likelihood of contracting COVID-19 and spread it around the community. Now, it's it's a ridiculous argument because the government can't just say, because you can get sick, you have the right to live in someone else's property without paying rent, obviously. But the logic behind it that Democrats used was that we have they claimed we have the power to do this because we're going to protect public health by making sure people didn't go homeless. Turn around, a couple weeks later, Vaccine mandate comes in. So what happens if someone is fired from their job for not getting vaccinated? What happens? Well, they, they lose the ability to earn an income. They lose the ability to pay the bills. And unless they get another job quick, they're homeless. So it's, it's clear hypocrisy. Democrats, if Democrats cared 
about stopping people from becoming homeless and said that's a public health risk, they wouldn't be trying to force out hundreds of thousands of Americans out of their jobs and potentially out of their homes. So you can follow me at Max J. McGuire on Telegram. I also include other things on here. Um, other things on here. We can go ahead and take this down. Um, if we put up, uh, if we put up image eight, I saw this yesterday. This was crazy. Just a, a brief aside. I do most of the like the cooking and the grocery shopping in our house, and I like to pick up these like little ready cook meal kits. Yeah, you can probably get it cheaper if you're willing to shop around. Um, but for me, time is more important. So that price on the top is how much one of these slow cooker like crock pot pot roast kits. This is how much it cost in December seventeen eighty eight seventeen dollars eighty eight cents. I tried to reorder just to curbside yesterday, and the price had jumped to twenty one seventy six. That's a twenty two percent increase in less than a year. In less than a year. So I share this kind of stuff on Telegram too. Um, as I go about my day, not everything's going to always be political, but if we take this down and we go back to my screen, I'm also going to sh show you the payoff. Anyone who's invested into my <laughs> crock pot, pot roast journey, you're going to see it cooking and yeah, I'll, I'll post a picture when it is done. So yeah, follow me on telegram at Max J McGuire. We can take that down. Hey, how come I've never so been the over for dinner? If you're cooking like that. I... Yeah. When, when's the invite? Well, Mr. Producer Josh, you owe me like 18 steak dinners. Let's not bring so that before, up again. Let's not bring that up again. <laughs> before you get a meal from me, you have to deliver. Well, get over here. <laughs> you have a standing invitation. Come on, man. I was supposed to be there. I was supposed to be there today. No one told me about the hearing. I know. And they're like, oh, well, why aren't you here? I was like, no one told me. But if I was there, then we wouldn't have a show, right? <laughs> no, we would have gotten something. We'd have gotten something. Uh, yeah, maybe, probably not. <laughs> but yeah, no, it's uh, well, yeah. The, the reason I, I share that is because obviously, uh, my Telegram, it's going to be a lot of political thoughts, but it's also going to be just things I find interesting, things I find weird. So follow me over there at Max J McGuire. So yeah, OSHA's regulatory scheme <laughs> unconstitutional. You can't just say that the Commerce Clause gives them the power to to coerce 100 million Americans to inject something into their bodies. That's just, it's laughable. It's constitutionally laughable. Legally, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense because the power is for new emerging threats that we didn't see coming. And I was going to, I was going to try and find a bunch of the graphs. COVID-19 is bottoming out in surprisingly most of the red states, the, the death and destruction that they were predicting isn't happening. But here's the other problem. The other problem with the vaccine mandate. Go ahead and, and put up my screen again. There is this part of the Constitution, part of the Bill of Rights that the left never likes to talk about unless they're opposing Trump, right? They talked about this when they were opposing Trump. They were all into it. Now, not so much. It is the 10th Amendment it is the right reserved to the states or to the people. And it reads the powers not delegated to the United States by the Constitution or prohibited by it to the states are reserved to the states respectively or to the people. So the logic dictates that if the if the federal constitution, you will not find a clause that explicitly gives the federal government the power to forcibly inject or coerce Americans to inject something into their body. If that power does not exist, then according to the 10th Amendment, it is reserved to the states or to the people themselves. And that's something that is logical. 
right? If you've ever gone into the doctor's office and gotten a shot, right, or gotten a medication, you haven't had to call up the federal government yourself and say, Daddy, Mr. Daddy government, do I have permission to ingest this pill? Do I have permission to inject myself with this? Obviously, there's FDA things where they approve drugs for the market, but on an individual basis, the government doesn't have the power to tell you what you put in your body. That has never happened. Now, some exceptions to that are if you're if you're indefinitely confined to a mental institution, then yes, you're you're declared mentally defective and the government is taking care of you. And obviously they abuse that sometimes. But in that case, you're not allowed to just have complete autonomy over what you put in your body. Also, if you commit a crime and you're incarcerated, then you don't have the right to decide what you eat. Right. You don't have to decide the right to decide what medications you're given. You lose some of those basic rights. But for all of us who aren't indefinitely confined and aren't in a prison cell, the government has never, never exercised the authority to force you to inject something to your body as a condition for you being able to earn a living. It's never happened. Joe Biden is seizing this power for himself. And as I just explained, the power is not explicitly granted. Our constitution is not an open-ended document. Our constitution is supposed to be a list of enumerated powers. Enumerated powers. If it isn't in there, the power doesn't exist. And the 10th Amendment, and also the 9th Amendment, exists to make sure that's very clear. It's not open-ended. You have these powers, and if we didn't give you the power, you don't have the power. So what we're seeing now, what we're seeing now, go to, go to my screen. We, we, we listened to Saki condemning Florida and Texas. This is why Florida just fined a county three and a half million dollars because they fired 14 employees for failing to get vaccinated. So that's why Jen Saki's mad because Florida has a law that outlaws vaccine passports. So you're not allowed to compel an employee or a customer to prove their vaccination status as a condition of working at that company or entering that business or doing business with that business, right? It's illegal. Well, Texas, as she mentioned, Texas, Governor Abbott introduced his own executive order and is calling the legislature during their next special session to pass into law a ban on vaccine mandates, vaccine passports as well. But what we learned Southwest and American Airlines are both based in Texas. Neither airline is willing to comply with Governor Abbott's directive. They are both saying they are going to go off of the federal mandate instead. So this is where we are going to have a court battle. And this is where that question is ultimately going to be decided. Does the Constitution explicitly give the federal government sole power to decide what people can put in their bodies and what businesses can or cannot mandate that employees put in their bodies. If a court rules the way I've just explained, which is the logical way, you read it, power's not there, it's not a government power. If the court is to rule that way, then this is how we can shut down the mandate. Here's the problem. You can't unskin the cat. You can't unskin the cat. If millions of Americans are, are forced to get vaccinated, only for weeks, months, or a year down the road, the Supreme Court to finally say, hey, this was unconstitutional. There's no undoing it. There are people who have been compelled, forced to get vaccinated because of this mandate, because of this mandate, and they've they've had horrible side effects. We talked about the case in, um, in Denver, the police officer being represented by a friend of the show, Randy Corcoran. He is having difficulty walking. 
apparently he's also suffered new symptoms since then because he was a police officer forced to get vaccinated. We talked about the woman, the woman in Oregon who was compelled to get vaccinated as a condition of continuing to be able to volunteer at her child's school. She died. They've confirmed that she died from a, albeit rare, side effect complication of the vaccine. This happens. This is real. People are being hurt by it. Does the government have the right to force people to do something that they know will kill some of them? I've talked about this on the show before. We, you can look at one instance where, yes, the government has claimed that power. The draft, selective service. If you are drafted and you are sent off the war, the government accepts that you might die, but that's something you just have to do. Did any of you sign up for a, vaccin a vaccinated service? Because we all have to sign up, all men have to sign up for selective service by 18. Did any of us like sign any paperwork as a condition of coming of age, as a condition of getting federal Pell Grants, whatever, that we agree whenever the government wants to, that they can force us to, to inject something to our bodies? No, we never signed away that right. We never signed away that right. So where does the federal government derive the power to knowingly kill a, obviously a, a sliver, but still some Americans. Power doesn't exist. The power doesn't exist. So this fight with Southwestern American, it is setting the stage now for Texas versus the federal government. Who actually has the power to regulate what companies can or must force their employees to inject into their bodies. But as I said, you can't unskin the cat. There's lots of people. We just played that one clip yesterday um, of the uh, the Project Veritas, the Pfizer contractor saying, yeah, he had to get vaccinated. He couldn't afford to lose his job. Um, he just did it. He bit the bullet and did it. There's a lot of people who have done that. There's a lot of people who have bit the bullet, gotten vaccinated because they knew the mandate was coming or they actually were forced and threatened to be fired. If the Supreme Court or an appeals court comes in after the fact and says, hey, you know what? That was unconstitutional. You violate all their rights. There's no way to undo it. You can't suck the vaccine out of their body. There's no recourse. There's no, I mean, I guess they could sue potentially. That's going to be very hard to sue the federal government for monetary damages. You can't unskin the cat, which is why it's essential if you, if you are in this situation to fight, to fight now. Because it is, is highly likely that you will win that fight. Now, it's more likely that you'll win the fight if you want to go the religious exemption route. I know a lot of people don't want to do the religious, religious exemption because they see that as complying and they don't want to deal with it. I understand that. I completely understand that. But if you're just going to, if you just want to stop it, sign the paper for the religious exemption and fight it because that is the more likely argument that will win out. I think that they both should win out. But as we've already seen, court cases are starting to rule on behalf of the plaintiffs, arguing that their religious rights are being violated. I'm going to stop for a moment and remind everyone that this podcast is sponsored by Liberty Cigars. So they're a relatively new sponsor with us. Liberty Cigars is an American-made company, an American patriot-owned business with an extensive line of historically themed individual cigars and cigar collections, including the Commander Series, the Founder Series, and the President Series. All of their packaging is proudly made in the USA by American workers. It's a truly unique gift for both cigar and history lovers. 
Now, when you when you purchase using the promo code BEFREE, B-E-F-R-E-E, all orders over $76, you're going to get a free cigar added on afterwards. I was on there. Most of their cigars, individual cigars, are about 10 bucks, So that's a good deal. And, th- and this Benedict Arnold cigar that you're going to get for free, it's the perfect gift for a traitorous liberal family member or friend or just anyone if you want to give them a cigar this holiday season. So again, head over there, libertycigars.com, and use promo code BEFREE, B-E-F-R-E-E, to get a free cigar added on for all orders over $76. So last night on my telegram, I, I wanted to actually live tweet, live tweet the Fauci documentary. It popped up on Disney plus for me. I was like, oh, geez. Um, so I was, I was going to do it. I couldn't make it more than seven and a half minutes in. And I'll tell you, I was going to turn it off sooner, but every time kudos to the actual filmmakers, I guess. Every time I got the urge deep within my soul, like to say, F this, this is, this is BS. They would come in with like a, a Tucker Carlson voiceover talking about how terrible Fauci was. So I hear that. And I'm like, Ooh, let me stick around just a little bit longer. Maybe this isn't going to be as bad as I thought, but no, I had to bail when they started bringing out Anthony Fauci's baby pictures. This man is an unelected bureaucrat. He's been in office for over 40 years. Think about that. He was appointed over 40 years ago. So the truth is the majority of Americans did not even indirectly vote for him, right? The majority of Americans right now did not even indirectly vote for the administration that actually hired him. No one's ever cast a ballot for him. He's a bureaucrat who's presided over the greatest erosion of individual liberty this country has ever seen. And I had to turn it off when they did the baby pictures. You don't give him the, oh, he was such a nice kid. Such a nice child. You don't give him that treatment. This man should be strung up on charges. But I want to ask you guys, because when I posted I was going to do this, everyone's like, no, 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 don't don't watch Fauci. I want to give you a little uh, either or scenario. Go ahead, put, it, put up image number one. So you only have one option. Do you watch the Fauci documentary or do you watch Kamala Harris's space video? <laughs> The one where she used child actors, right? The one that was actually produced, I kid you not, the company that produced it is actually called Sinking Ship Productions. Which do you do? Do you watch Fauci or do you watch Kamala Harris? Which do you do? I don't know. I, I probably would watch Fauci. I probably I probably would watch Fauci. If I had if gun to my head, I have to pick one. Probably pick Fauci because I can't stand watching Kamala. Like I was going to pull clips of Kamala Harris and I, I had to stop because I, I just couldn't, I couldn't watch it. <laughs> Lots of people saying neither. <laughs> that girl saying she gouges her, gouge her eyes out. Yeah. That that's a possibility, I guess. Yeah, no, there's a lot, lots of propaganda out there, but I like to, I don't like to, I, I watch the propaganda because you need to know what the other side is saying. You need to know what their arguments are if you have any chance of defeating them. Because it's slickly, slickly produced. The, the, the Nat Geo on Fauci, very slickly produced of the 7 minutes, 33 seconds I had a chance to watch. So th- these vaccine mandates are, are, are going to fail. They're going to die. They're going to implode. It's up to all of us, though, to keep fighting. To keep fighting because... <laughs> they are counting on us to cave. They're counting on us to surrender. 
Now, I don't trust Greg Abbott not to surrender. I mean, you go back through the last two years, every executive order he's done on the pandemic, he's either flip-flopped or refused to enforce. But we all have to take it among, on ourselves to fight back against this. And people say, well, people ask me, like, should you quit? I don't think you should quit. And let me explain why. In many states, when your company changes the condition of employment, if you are no longer able to meet those new terms of the contract and you are let go, you are not fired for cause. You are fired because your job title, your job responsibilities changed. So in many states, you are eligible for unemployment. If you, if you quit, you are not eligible for unemployment because it's a voluntary, you're voluntarily leaving the company. So obviously everyone's situation is going to be different, but if you're in this situation, do not quit. Force them to fire you. Force them to fire you and then get on the internet and look for the class action attorneys because they are building cases. They're absolutely building cases, but let them fire you. I've, we talked to a couple people who've quit. I get it. I get it. You're angry, right? There's lots of emotions. Like I say, oh, screw them. I'm going to quit. Don't quit. Force them to fire you because when they do so, at the behest of an unconstitutional federal government mandate, you will have rights. You will have rights to recourse. It'll take some time, but you will have rights to some recourse. Switch gears for a second. Go ahead, put up image two, Mr. Producer. This is a this is an interesting milestone. This is the Rasmussen polling. Joe Biden hit a level I didn't even think was possible. And obviously, I want nothing to do with Joe Biden, but Joe Biden his strongly, so this is the approval index. This is what Rasmussen puts out their daily tracking poll. They're the only large polling outfit still doing a daily presidential tracking poll. So, I mean, Gallup, they got out of the game, right? It's just Rasmussen. So yeah, Rasmussen kind of skews, right? Fine. But they're the only one actually tracking daily movement of his approval rating. And their approval index calculates the difference between how many Americans strongly approve and how many Americans strongly disapprove. And what you see from this graph is you're now looking at tw only 20% of Americans strongly approve of Joe Biden, only 20%. As bad as Trump's poll numbers were, he never really dipped below 38, 39 strongly supporting, right? He still kept his core base. What you see here, 50%, half the country strongly disapproves. Not somewhat, not I'm in the fence, I don't know, I have an opinion yet, strongly disapproves. So Joe Biden's approval index, the difference between the two, is negative 30. This is important because that was a record previously held by George W. Bush. George W. Bush. It took George W. Bush eight years, two wars, and a complete financial meltdown to reach what Joe Biden has accomplished in nine months. So congratulations to Joe Biden, the most unpopular president, at least in the last half century. I don't, I don't know what Nixon's polling was like. I, I imagine it was very bad. But at least in the last half century, Joe Biden is the least popular president ever. And it's only nine months in. But look at that gap. Oh, my God. We go ahead and take that down. And the reason that that's important to show is a president who only 20% strongly approve should not have the authority. Even if the constitutional power exists, a president that hated 
should not have the power to just say, oh, 100 million Americans got inject something into your body. Oh, you don't like it? You can quit. You can go hungry. You can starve. You can go homeless. A president that unpopular should not have that power. Even if the power existed, it should be stopped. And the facts blast today, which we'll, we're going to be sending out after the podcast today, is going to stop this. That's the goal, to stop this. Because for in recent days, we've been talking about how Joe Biden's... So there's three executive orders. Let's break it down. We've said this in the past, but sometimes they get conflated, but they're not. And the different executive orders do derive their power differently. So you have the one mandating that all federal employees and federal contractors get vaccinated. That does not use the interstate commerce clause. That is just basic. It's it's basic employment processes, right? The federal government as a condition of employment is requiring that every worker have a vaccine. Now you can say that that is illegal and constitutional. You can say it's wrong. Sure. Um, but that is a different power. That's the power of an employee-employee relationship contract law. You have the other executive order shutting down or going after the health industry, requiring that all hospital workers, all in-home aides, right, that they get vaccinated. And that uses strings attached. Basically, that's saying if you receive HHS money, you will be compelled to ensure that your whole team is vaccinated. Otherwise, you lose the funds. It's, it's a similar thing that the federal government does with highway funding, right? If a state raises its speed limit too high, the federal government yanks the highway funding back. Or if the, or if the state all of a sudden legalizes like drunk driving, federal government would yank that highway funding back. That's what they're doing with the HHS mandate for hospital and hospital workers and in-home caretakers. And then there's the third which we've been talking about most of today, the OSHA regulation for anyone who works at a company with 100 employees or more. For the last couple of weeks, that OSHA regulation hasn't existed. It's just been Joe Biden gave a speech and all the companies were just going about it and just saying, oh yeah, we'll do that. There wasn't actually, no one had put pen to paper yet and added a regulation to the federal register. Well, yesterday, OSHA finally did submit its initial draft rule to the federal register. So this is now a real regulation. It's not finalized yet, but it is a real regulation that is going to be moving forward. Now they're going to have a comment period. I bet you they're going to try and skip the comment period because they're going to say it's too important, but that's going to open up another avenue for people to shut it down. They should have a comment period and then it ultimately will go into the federal register as a finalized regulation. And as bad as that seems, it actually is kind of good news. And let me explain why. Previous to this, it was Joe Biden gave a speech saying, I want all the companies to do this. And all the companies said, okay, fine, we'll do this. So they had been taking action at the president's behest, but not under a presidential order because it hadn't been finalized yet. So that's kind of like the, the, the challenge of how do you fight that? Are you suing the federal government? Well, they didn't really implement an order, right? Are you suing the company? Well, does the company have the right to do it without a federal mandate? It, it gets really messy. But now that there actually is going to be a federal mandate for the OSHA regulations, they've, they've started that process, they've introduced it, the draft form at least, this gives us a chance to kill it. And this is going to be the topic of our facts blast today. In previous days, we've been talking about Marjorie Taylor Greene's We Will Not Comply Act. That is a bill that would change the Civil Rights Act to add vaccine status as a protected class. It's common sense, right? Just as a company doesn't have the right to fire you because you're white or black, this law would make it so the company can't fire you because of your vaccine status. That's common sense. That law still should be passed. But there's an easier way. There's an easier way to shut down Biden now that the regulation is actually in the works. 
And that's using a process known as the Congressional Review Act. It's a relatively, I mean, in the history of this country, it's a relatively new procedure. I believe it was, I believe it was Newt Gingrich. Um, that's when, that's when it came about. And what it does is it gives Congress the power to buy a simple majority, a simple majority. So 51 senators and, and 50% plus one vote in the House to overturn any federal regulation, not just to overturn it, but to make, make it illegal for any future administration ever to try it again. So it tends to happen. It tends to happen after a presidency changes, right? After a new president is sworn in, the Congress, if it's changed parties, will go back and will try and undo all the regulations that the previous president did on the way out the door. That's how it's usually done. But this is different because we have a historically, a historically unpopular president. Only 20% strongly approve, 50% strongly disapprove. So we're in a unique position where even if Democrats technically control a, major, a slim majority in the House and a tiebreaker majority in the Senate, Joe Biden is so unpopular, it is not impossible to get a couple of Democrats over to our side to vote for a Congressional Review Act resolution to undo this. It's doable. I'm telling you, it is doable. This is very unpopular. So our facts boss today will be going on after the show which if you haven't already, make sure you sign up for the fact spots. You can do that by going to join.conservative-daily.com. Join.conservative-daily.com. There's also a link in the description if you want to use that. Sign up for the fact spots because that's the email newsletter because that's how we get our facts blast campaigns out. And that's going to be our goal today to force a vote on a Congressional Review Act. Now, how would that work? Well, typically the, the Senate Majority Leader, right, and the and the uh, Speaker of the House get to decide what comes to the floor. But there are parliamentary maneuvers in each chamber that allow a majority of senators or congressmen to force a vote on something. Basically, the logic is, if the majority support it, then one person shouldn't be allowed to block the vote. So it's called a discharge petition in the House of Representatives. So it is doable. It is very doable. But we need to put pressure on it now because this, this regulation is going to probably take a couple weeks. We need to put the pressure on them now to shut this down and kill the regulation once and for all. So I implore you, sign up for our email newsletter if you haven't already. And if you can, please do join today's Facts Blast campaign, which will be coming out after this podcast airs later today. So Joe Biden, historically unpopular. Did you see this? Go ahead and put up image seven. This, this news broke last night. In Iowa, there is a district, House State, Iowa State House District 29. And in 2020, the Democrat won this by almost 20%. Yesterday, they held a, a new race in that district, and the Republican won by over 19%, over 19 almost 20%. So you're looking at almost a 40% flip in just the span of one year in one state house district. In, I, I get, yeah, sure, it's in Iowa. But this is similar to what we saw before Democrats swept in and took the House in the middle of Trump's term, you saw state houses in Republican areas starting to flip. And it was a warning sign. So obviously, we still have to keep fighting against voter fraud. Absolutely. And there's is, and even Eric Coomer in his deposition admitted that it is not legal, but it is technically possible to steal an election electronically. That was in his deposition. It's technically possible. That's, that's, that's quite an admission. We still have to 
be vigilant. But there are we are already starting to see signs that we are potentially on the verge of a major red wave. Now, that red wave is going to be up to all of us, right? It's going to be up to all of us to gather and vote, to get other people to vote, to make sure that we get this message, this word out, which is why I, I implore you, if you haven't already, do share this podcast. Whether you're watching on Facebook, hit the share button. Or if you just want to share on any of, their, any of your other channels, copy the URL and share it on those social platforms as well. We got to get this word out. We got to fight, 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 because this is our chance. We can't survive another two and a half years of Joe Biden with Democrat-controlled Congress. We won't survive. We need the check and balance. We need to drag Joe Biden the hell out of office. That's what we need to do. But the fastest way we can do that is by a Republican majority in the House and Senate. And I get it. There's a lot of rhinos, and they're terrible. They're terrible. But we have to take this out of Nancy Pelosi's hands. We have to take this out of Chuck Schumer's hands. I saw a report today that since Nancy Pelosi became Speaker of the House again, something like 4.6 million babies have been aborted. It's just let that sink in. That There is a cost to Democrat control of government. There is a, a very real cost. And yes, yeah, sure, Republicans aren't perfect. And I hate many of them, and I, I hope most of them most of the rhinos lose their primers. But it's at a point where we have to take this out of Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer's hands. And the way we accomplish that is by voting them out, is by installing a new Republican majority. I feel dirty saying it, but you got to. We, we absolutely have to. Going to stop and take a moment to remind you this podcast is sponsored by Air Medcare Network. Air Medcare Network, the premier insurance plan to cover you and your family should any of you need to be airlifted to a hospital for a medical emergency. We don't get to choose how we go to a hospital or when or where a disaster strikes. And it's not just people who fall off the side of a cliff or get lost in the woods who need to be airlifted to a hospital. And when there's a pileup on the highway and no one's coming in or out, a lot of times those people get airlifted. When you're in a city and there's gridlock, and you can't get through the streets, a lot of times people will need to get airlifted from hospital to hospital. Well, that can cost a fortune. It can bankrupt you. I, I, most of us don't have money set aside to pay $20,000, dollars $50,000 for air medical transport. We don't have that money. Well, that's why you got to sign up with Air Medicare Network. It's going to cost you $85. It's going to get you coverage for one year for your entire household. It's less if you're a senior citizen, and it works out to be less per year if you buy three or five years at a time. And as a bonus... When you sign up using our link in our description, airmedcarenetwork.com forward slash daily, and then you use promo code daily, they're going to give you up to $50 back in the form of an e-gift card, depending on how many years you sign up for. It's free money. So again, go to airmedcarenetwork.com forward slash daily and use promo code daily to get up to $50 back. Also going to remind you that this podcast is sponsored. We got lots of sponsors. We're getting more sponsors, people. This podcast is sponsored by MyPillow. Let's go ahead and play the uh, the MyPillow ad. Oh, use promo code CD21 to get up to 66% off at MyPillow.com. Let's play the MyPillow ad if we can. Do we got it? If we don't have it, that's fine. If we don't have it, full disclosure, Joe has his hearing today. Joe has his hearing today, and um, everyone, <laughs> almost everyone just decided to go. So we got we got Zach in the producer chair. Everyone say good job, Jack, Zach. He's been doing a good job today. Uh, it's not his fault. He can't find it. But uh, yeah, that, that's kind of what happened today. <laughs> Everyone decided to just go. And Josh is there. He's there in the background helping out um, as needed. 
So lots of things going on in the country. Lots of things going on in the country. We got people fleeing Democrat states. I mean, of course they are. We Obviously, we have Elon Musk moving the headquarters for Tesla from California to Texas. That's, I mean, you're, he's going to move some jobs. He's going to keep the manufacturing in California, though. So most of those jobs are going to stay in California. But there's also this, if we put up my screen, Mr. Producer, there's a, a recent poll out showing that 59% of the San Francisco Bay Area plan to leave in the next few years. Uh, you think? Anyone who's ever been there, you know how expensive those houses are. You know how expensive everything cost of living is. People are fleeing the cost of living increases. Why? Because Biden inflation. I can't believe more people aren't calling it that. It's inflation. It's caused by Biden. It's Biden inflation. Biden inflation is going to devastate, devastate this country. Which again, if you haven't already, do your Christmas shopping now. Because the prices are going to get higher. It's crazy to think that in October, you could be looking at the price of toys for your kid going up in price between October and December. But it, it will happen. If there's even any toys to be put on the shelf for the kids. I went to, the, the, I went to Walmart yesterday. And shelves were empty. Empty. I thought I was, I thought I was in Venezuela at one point. We never had that. We never had entire aisles picked clean. So we got huge problems because they're not letting anything get imported and the prices are rising. So you got to do your shopping now, which is why yeah, if you want to go to MyPillow, make sure you use CD21 and you're going to get up to 66% off. We can take down my screen, Mr. Producer. No, we're, we're, we're in a, a load of trouble. We're in a load of trouble unless we fix this. I think it was the Atlanta Fed. One of the different Fed branches said yesterday that this this Biden inflation is not going to be transitory, meaning it's not it's not just going to go and then come back. It's, we're not just transitioning to a new economy. This is it, right? This is what happens when you have Biden economics. I mean, there's lots of reasons for this. You have it's supply and demand. Things aren't being imported for a number of reasons, right? Labor shortages, regulations. California is a lot more blocked up than Florida is in terms of their ports. So a lot of it is leftist policies. So things aren't being imported. There's a shortage. People can't get as much. So obviously the price goes up a little bit. But over the last year and a half, the federal government has also conditioned people to be able to just sit at home, collect a paycheck and do nothing. So that has caused inflation. That's It's called demand pull inflation. So when you give people a bunch of free money and they start buying things, the companies are going to say, wow, everyone wants this TV. I'm going to make the TV a little bit more expensive, right? You also conditioning people to demand more money. And I, that's fine, right? Like you should demand more money, demand more pay, demand to be paid what you're worth. But we're seeing a time in this country that's actually unprecedented where last month they had a record number of people quit their jobs. Just think about that. A record number of people quit their jobs in August more than ever before. Millions, 4.3 uh, million people have voluntarily quit their jobs this year. There was an extra 242,000 people who just walked away. Now, why do people do that? People do that because they, for the first time, see that they actually have leverage. Workers have leverage. If you're stuck in a dead end job and, you, and you're making $20 an hour, which is 
not bad, but you were making $20 an hour 10 years ago and they haven't given you a raise. And you drive past the McDonald's on your way to work and see that they're hiring cashiers for $21 an hour, right? That gives you leverage. Now, maybe some employees won't be able to pay that fine, but people are seeing that they have options, that they can make more money and they're quitting. Like, I don't know why anyone, I don't know why anyone would work for a minimum wage job if they drive past Burger King and Wendy's and McDonald's and see that people are being paid 20 bucks an hour. That's your mileage will vary depending on where in the country you live. Yeah, W. Sheridan said McDonald's is sending administrative employees to restaurants to work fryers. That's true. They are white collar workers who are being sent into food, into restaurants to work the fryers, to work the grill, to work the cashier because they are that swamped. So, yeah, on, on the one hand, it's great that people have the leverage to demand more. But when you combine that new leverage to demand more with the people's expectation that they get paid to do nothing, the expectation that they should just be allowed to work from home forever and to pick their own hours, right? All of that has effects. Like when McDonald's is paying people $20 an hour and they used to pay them $12 an hour, the price of the food goes up. The price of the food goes up. I, I went to get my son a Happy Meal the other day. It was almost five bucks. A McDouble used to be a dollar menu item. It's pushing three dollars now. So yeah, there's lots of reasons for that. But like the meat packing plants, when the meat packing plants need to hire people because people are walking off because they're saying, "Why would I work in a meat packing plant for fifteen dollars an hour when McDonald's will pay me twenty? Well, when the meat packing plant has to hire people at twenty dollars an hour. The meat prices go up, which is why that chuck roast I mentioned earlier is 22% more expensive than it was last year. Go ahead and try and buy a filet mignon or a tomahawk steak and, and, and look at how expensive it is. I mean, like big filet mignons at Costco, they're almost twice as expensive as they were last year. I get it. It's, it's, a, it's, a prime, it's like a rare, very good cut of meat. Fine. But it's, it's all up and down. Chicken wings are almost double what they were at one point last year just frozen chicken wings for restaurants. It's insane. And a lot of that stems back from what the government has done. And we've played clips on this in the past. Joe Biden admitted that he wanted to push more unemployment benefits to pressure companies to start paying their workers more. And there's nothing wrong with that. But if everyone, if everyone all at the same time just starts paying their workers more, it just raises the prices of everything. You can't outrun those basic economics. So what we have now are people who are making more money, who are making more money at McDonald's, but the prices have gone up just as much for the food, for childcare, for basic essentials. I was talking with someone on my telegram and, and they we were talking about prices of food and they mentioned that, oh, well, with the majority of people on on minimum wage, it's hard to, to feed yourself these days. And I was thinking to myself, no, majority of people aren't on minimum wage. That can't be true. And sure enough, last year, 1.5% of American workers made the minimum wage. 1.5%. Now compare that to the 1970s, you were looking at over 14% of Americans worked the minimum wage. The difference now is though, the difference is that all of the other prices have gone up so much that making a comfortable wage can feel like you're making minimum wage because it's too expensive to, to do anything else. I don't, I don't want to keep getting stuck on the pot roast, but the pot roast is a, is a, it's an American classic, right? It, it's something that just was on every table and everyone got it. 
poor, middle class. It didn't matter. It wasn't an expensive meal. It wasn't a great cut of meat. You threw it in the pot. You let it cook for half a day. And eventually it was palatable, right? Now, based on the current prices, I mean, maybe it's cheaper near where you are, but I'm looking at $7 a pound for chuck roast. $7, you, you add up all the other ingredients for the meal and a minimum wage worker would need to work two or three hours. That's, that's a third of his work day just to pay for one meal. A minimum wage worker would have to pay work a third of a single work day to pay for one pot roast. And that's not going out to eat. Anyone who's gone out to eat lately, you know what that's looking like. The prices going through the roof. And they're like, oh, and then you got tip 20% on that. This is unsustainable. This is Biden inflation. And now they want to push through $5 trillion in more spending. What do you think that's going to do? I mean, look around. Look at the prices rising. What do you think? It's going to happen if they devalue the dollar just by creating $5 trillion in new spending out of thin air. It's going to get a million times worse. We will not survive this. We've known for a long time that socialism would destroy this nation. We are seeing it happen right in front of our eyes. Socialist policies. capital You cannot have socialism just injected into capitalism. It, it doesn't work that way. And what you have are people raising prices pricing people out. When you are when American families are being priced out of a home-cooked meal, that's a serious problem. It's a serious, serious problem. So we're, we're almost at the end of the hour. Joe is at his hearing. Again, everyone, um, make sure you send up your prayers, your good wishes, your good juju for Joe to have a good hearing. It's happening right now. That's why he's not on the podcast with me today. Um, so yeah, make, make sure you do that. We're also going to mention that we do have another sponsor. I want to make sure I mention it. It is The Reawakening. And Mr. Producer, do we have that video ready to go? Uh, not yet. One sec. Okay, if we don't have it, that's fine. We'll, we'll, we'll play it. Um, the link is in the description. So if you want to sign up and pre-order The Reawakening documentary, it's a documentary that deals with all of the, uh, the different Clay Clark events happening around the country, you can sign up using the link in the description. And when you use our promo code, um, you're going to get 10% off. You're going to get entered into a raffle or a giveaway for VIP tickets to one of Clay Clark's um, events. And you're also going to get entered into a giveaway to meet Michael Flynn in person. So you want to check out that link is in the description. Uh, again, apologies. Everyone ran with Joe to his hearing, left Zach <laughs> holding the bag. And he's doing a great job, but it was not necessarily all set up for him to just do that. So no, no harsh words for Zach, but uh, <laughs> that's why we are not able to play that video, but we will play it later today. We'll make sure that we get that up and running. I think I hit up all the ads. I got all the ads. So um, yeah, that's going to be it for this edition of the podcast. If you like the podcast, make sure you subscribe to the audio version. It's available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Pandora, iHeartRadio, TuneIn, and Podbean. Also audible. So if you like to listen, if you have, if you have like Amazon devices in your house, you can listen on audible as you're doing the dishes, right? You can find us on audible now too. But if you can, please do subscribe on Apple podcast and give us a five-star review. You don't have to be just an, an iPhone or an, or an iPad or a MacBook user. You can do it on a windows PC. You just got to download iTunes, create an Apple ID and subscribe to us there and give us a five-star review. Cause that's how we climb up in those rankings on the Apple podcast charts. We go live from 11 at 11 AM Eastern 
and 7 p.m. Eastern. So make sure you tune in for that. If you haven't already, text the word freedom, F-R-E-E-D-O-M to 89517, and you'll get added to our text alert system. That's going to notify you before we go to air of what we're talking about and how you can find us. And also, as I mentioned, go to join.conservative-daily.com and enter our email newsletter system. That's how you're going to get those fax blasts. That's how you're going to get our email notifications as well. That's it for this edition of the podcast. My name is Max McGuire. Remember, everyone, that the fight to take back our country, it isn't over yet. But the only way we win is if we all stand up and fight together.